Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So, I um, was really powerfully impacted both first and second service this morning. This is a sidebar. Um, by... The, before first service, you know, the MC and the speaker get together and we pray over the service. And um, I just felt like the Lord just highlighted to me this morning um, the lonely. You know, that Christmas season is an amazing season. It's a great time to fellowship with friends and family, and it's a season of love. But there are people who um, are either physically alone or can be alone amongst people. And I just wa- wanted to, um, I just saw that this morning, and I just felt like God was highlighting it to say, we need to pray for those that are feeling lonely and that are, are or are alone. And so just that's just an encouragement to you during this season as, you know, you might get busy and things are happening, that the truth is you're never alone, right? Because God is always wanting to be with you. But there are people who don't know that or don't know how to access that. And so just be praying about who can you encourage in that, who could you be praying for, that they would really experience what it is like to have true fellowship so that you aren't lonely. Is that good? All right. So this um, year we have talked about the um, upward journey the inward journey and the outward journey. I did it wrong. We talked about the inward journey, about our hearts. We talked about the upward journey, about what's going on with God. And now we're talking about the outward journey and what we are supposed to do. And so um, I get to talk to you about how to share that outward journey with people that you work with. And um, I was, I actually, when I was uh, praying about the service today, I felt like the Lord said it can also be for people who are at school, and sp- specifically students, that this is, this is also good for you. So um, get ready. Here we go. So our, our verse comes from John 20, 19 through 22, and it says that Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And this is the verse, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So that's our key verse for this three months, and we're coming close to the end of it, in that we are, to be, we are being sent out just as Jesus was sent, we, he's sending us. And so what does that look like? Pastor Cameron kicked off this section of the series um, talking about the parables of sowing. And parables in the Bible are really powerful ways to speak truths because they tell a story, they tell a truth using a story that people are familiar with. And so the people that he spoke to when he talked about sowing were familiar with crops and how those things worked. And, and if you were here on the Sunday that Pastor started with this, you would know that he took the seeds and threw them at us. Does anybody here for that? Raise your hand if you were here and got seeds thrown at you. A little, little, I'm like 
seriously, pastor, someone's got to clean it up. But anyway, so he threw out seeds, and his point was you need to be sharing it everywhere, not just specific places, not just specific times. And my, and I want to um, follow that up with when you are at work or when you're at, um, with your people at school or, or friendships that you have, that you may be called to sow a seed into something that you don't think looks really great. And the reason we do that is because you don't know how God has prepared their heart. You, you can't look at somebody and go, oh, well, they're ready for the gospel or they're not ready for the gospel. You don't know. You can't see it from the outside. Sorry, excuse me. And I'm going to take this sewing idea a step further and say you're part of the process of getting their garden ready. Has anybody ever worked a garden? They're a lot of work. Gardens are, you know, you can't just go outside and see the patch of grass and plant a corn seed and see corn grow. It might, but usually you have to dig up the dirt, you got to get rid of the rocks, you got to get rid of the weeds, and then you got to water it. And so as you see people in their lives, you might be called to pull out a rock from someone's life. You might be called to pull out some weeds. You might be called to water on somebody's already planted seed. You don't know what's going on in their heart, so you might be called to do those things. And um, so we have to be ready to speak into people's lives whether or not we see salvation. We need to be able to speak into people's lives whether or not we see salvation. So if you speak into someone's life and you see no change, that does not give you a free pass to never speak again to them or someone else. You have to be ready to speak into people's lives. But I have some practical ways that you can do that. I have five practical ways that you can do that when you're working with people or whether you're um, going to school with people or the people that you see. And the very first one I think is, just the key to start with is that your integrity matters. When you go to work, your integrity matters. In Proverbs 16.3, it says, commit your work to the Lord. And in Colossians 3.17, it says, whatever you do in word and deed, do it in the name of Jesus. You know, when you're working, you have an audience of one. And his name is God. I realize that a lot of you have a boss or maybe you have a teacher that you have to report to, but ultimately your work is done unto the Lord. And so how you behave in the manner with which you work matters. It matters to him. And so, um, and what happens then is as you're working unto the Lord and you are honoring God in your work, people see it. People notice People see that you don't cut corners. People see that you don't take advantage of a situation. I worked in one building, and um, what was commonplace was to show up late and leave early. And it was a specific directive that we were given that we had to show up at this time and we had to leave at this time. And so when I started there, I was a little shocked that people were leaving and showing up late. And so I just showed up at the time I was supposed to, 
and left at the time I was supposed to. And one day, someone kind of said to me, well, aren't you leaving? And I said, we're supposed to stay here until thus and such a time. And that person said, yeah, but, you know, what, why wouldn't you just go? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, the boss isn't here. No one's going to see you. There's nothing. And I said, I'm getting paid to be here from this time to this time. If I leave early, I'm stealing. And that person looked at me so odd, and I said, that's how I feel. I just, I, I need to stay. And what's interesting is it kind of impacted that group, and suddenly people started staying until the time that they were supposed to stay. And, but the other thing that it did is it made me be trustworthy. To some of those people, they looked at me that I could be trusted because I wasn't going to steal when I could, or I could, you know, leave early when I could, that I was going to do the right thing. And so then it made it be that I could be a sounding board for them, that they could come to me and say, you know, what do you think? You know, how, how, what do you, how do you see this situation? What, what do you think about what's going on here? And I could speak truths into that. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I always act perfectly at work every day because that would be a lie. Because to be real honest, on some days when they come to me and say, well, what do you think about this? I might fall into the gossip that we suddenly have created. So I have to be really careful about my words and be careful about my behavior. But there are times where I feel like God shows me very clearly this is a line you don't cross. And, and there are other times the enemy is ready to trip me up. So I'm not, I, I want you to be real clear that I, I don't always do it perfectly, but I'm trying. And that's what God asks all of us to do. You, and your attitude about your work, your attitude about your work, whether you're complaining or grateful, that is a perfume that you wear that everybody else smells. Your attitude is the perfume you wear. So if you show up grumbling about your job and you're not grateful, other people hear it and they know where your heart is. So it's just something to think about. Your integrity does matter. The second thing that I'd like to share with you today is that I think it's important to build relationships. You know, you're um, building relationships. In Philippians 2.3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's hard. That's hard to do. I mean, it's, sometimes it's, well, I don't know. Sometimes it's easy and hard to do within your own family. But to do that at work or at school, like to put other people above yourself. But the reason is 1 Corinthians 10.33 even as I try, try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. That is the reason. I want to esteem them so they go, why are you doing that? Because that's what Jesus taught me to do. That's what he does. He esteems me. And um, I... Your actions speak louder than words, just like, you know, showing up on time and leaving on time. When you're having conversations with people, a really key important thing 
is to listen to, to whoever you're speaking with, but to hear what their heart is saying. It's important to listen because a lot of times we like to talk, and it's really good to get information from these people, but it's also important to hear what their heart is saying. And the best example I can give you is when somebody is angry, a lot of times you can see through and see where they've been hurt. And so when they're angry and they, you know, they're speaking in an angry tone or whatever, you can diffuse it by saying, wow, that must have really hurt when that person did that. You can, you can change. You can see into it and change um, how they perceive it and also build that relationship that you're listening to what their heart is saying, not just what their mouth is speaking. Kindness matters. Being kind to one another you know, that, that's just, that seems simple and easy, but sometimes it's hard. It's hard to be nice to others. It's hard to be, especially, like, I even find it challenging right now. I, you know, I'm so consumed with my, can I get in and out of my car and in and out of the building in a certain way? And, and am, I, am I thinking about somebody else? You know, am I being kind? And, um, Sometimes being kind might be being kind to myself, you know. It could be saying, okay, I'm going to be willing to ask for help. But, um, but being kind to somebody else. And remember that each person is on a different part of their journey. You know, I, you don't know where anybody is at. Just like they don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord. I love the song that we sang this morning, Reckless Love of God. You fought for me when I was your foe. How many of us can say that about somebody that we work with or that we go to school with that has kind of been, you just had this antagonism between the two of you. Have you fought for them? And by fighting for them, I mean praying for them. Have you prayed for them? Have you prayed that whatever is going on in their life could be changed? That's how you fight for a foe. And I think God calls us to do that. So, um, and that's how you start a relationship with somebody who's your enemy, is you start by praying for them and start by asking God how to give you a perspective about them. And then let, let the Lord take that where, where he wants to. Which brings me to my third um, encouragement, and that is that you need to listen to the Lord. And John, this, this was revelatory to me just a few years ago. I've been a Christian now for 20 years. And really key concept that I did not get until a few years ago was this. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. What? What does that mean? That means that Jesus didn't do anything unless he saw the Father do it first. He didn't say anything or do anything that he didn't hear or see the Father do. So we need to practice hearing God's voice. We need to know what God is doing in the heavens. What does he say about the situation you're in? And if you don't know how to hear God's voice, I can't do that, that teaching right now. But we have lots of teaching. Grab somebody on the leadership team, and we'll, we'll connect you with somebody who can teach you. But you need to make sure that you're seeing and hearing what God is saying. 
Because sometimes that, that situation, that, that person that you've been, maybe you've been witnessing to them or talking to them for a while, maybe God is saying, now you need to let it rest. You know, um, sometimes crops, when um, in a long time ago, what they would do is they would let the uh, ground rest for a season so it could build back up the nutrients so that it could produce better crops. Sometimes you need to let your witnessing rest with that person. You need to, like, take a, let them, let God work the stuff in their heart, and you just rest, let that rest. Or, you know, <laughs> much to my dear friend's dismay, my friend Beth lives right in front of a cornfield, but sometimes it grows soy. She doesn't like the soy. She likes the cornfield. But what happens is the nutrients you know, sometimes the corn sucks up all the nutrients, so they got to put something different in there so that the, they'll have good soil again when they bring the corn back. Same thing with your approach to witnessing to someone. Maybe God is saying you need to try a different approach. Maybe you need to rotate your methodology. Try something different. And ask him, what is it that you want me to do? What do you want me to, be, to say? Sometimes you might have to be just a listening, a sounding board for that person. Maybe they want to just talk to you, and you need to listen and be a friend and not speak. And, and I think it's so key to, to check yourself. Are you inserting your will on them or God's will for them? What is it that you're speaking into their life? Is it what you want you know, I, I think you should be doing this because, I don't know, it works for you? Or are you saying, this is what I hear the Lord saying for you. This is what I see the Lord doing for you. This is how he wants you to handle this. So we need to be practicing and, and really focusing on how, what's the Lord doing and saying, and then do that. And the last, no, no. I think I have more. That was the third one. Okay, I have two more. So the fourth one is your testimony. And this is so very important. Your testimony in Revelations 12, 10, and 11, it says, For the accuser of our brethren who accuse them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your testimony has power to take down the enemy. Your testimony is powerful, and your testimony is not my testimony. Your testimony, you know, power, um, when you share your testimony with somebody, it is powerful because personal stories are more impactful than any theology that you can share. Your personal experiences, and every one of you in here today has a testimony. Your testimony is my life before God, what happened when I got saved, and my life after God. That's your testimony. Those three things are key. And it continues. As you continue to walk with the Lord, you experience trials and fires and things that go on. And those things and how God helps you through them, those are powerful they will stop the enemy in his tracks. I read this, um, this commentary who said, no one can argue with the power of your testimony, 
you don't need to be a theologian. Isn't that true? Like somebody could argue with me about what Revelation says. Oh, help me not. I, do, I can't. Uh, no. No. I, I mean, we could argue. That doesn't matter. But I tell you my testimony. You can't say anything about that. Because it is my story. It's what happened to me. I was lost and now I'm found. In John 9, it says the blind man, you know, um, he was healed on the Sabbath. Jesus healed him. And the Pharisees brought him. Actually, they brought his parents first and said, what happened to this guy? And they're like, ask him. I don't know. You know, they bring the blind man forward and, he, and they're grilling him. Like, what happened? How, how, did, he, how did he, you know, you know fix, fix you? How did he heal you? What, what's going on? And the blind man's response was this. One thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. Done. I don't have to explain anything. I was blind, now I see. Anything else you want to know, you're going to have to ask somebody else. You know, that, that is your, that's the power of your testimony. When you share your testimony with somebody, that is powerful. And it, and it speaks in their language. They can understand something that you experienced. They might not be, under, be able to understand things that went on in the Bible yet, but they can know you were this way, and now you're this way. You were changed. And, that, and it doesn't have to be, uh, I was completely hooked on drugs, and now my life is completely different. That is powerful. But your testimony is powerful. God will use your testimony to speak to the people that you are. Hello? Oh, there. Um, the people that you have relationships with. You don't need to understand God's power, but you need to know enough to say, I saw it, and I believe it, and that's, what's ha that's what, ha what he did for me. And I had this situation at, at um, work. I work in a school. I work in a public school, and I have for 20-some uh, years. And I was in a classroom one time um, with a teacher, and I didn't know the teacher very well. I, it was really, it was fall. It was like September. It might have been very new. I, I, I knew of her, but I didn't know her. And um, as the class was working on stuff, I saw her go into um, another room. She came out. She'd been on the phone. She looked like she'd been crying. And, um, and the class, the bell rang, and I went up to her, and I just said, hey, um, are you okay? And she goes, it's fine, it's fine. And, and I said, you don't look fine. Can I pray for you? She grabbed my hands. I was like, okay, well, that would be a yes. So then I prayed, and I just, you know, I, I don't know what I prayed, but I prayed. And the minute I got done, she said, I'm just so ashamed. She said, I have a family member who has a drug problem. And I said, oh, honey, you don't have to be ashamed of me. Because I had this situation happen in my life, and this is what happened. And suddenly, the floodgates opened. She started sobbing, and she shared with me the whole situation. And then kids are coming into the classroom. They're looking at us. And then she turns... <laughs> I found out later, she, she's not a Christian. She turns and she goes, we're just praying. Just go ahead, sit down. We're just praying. And I'm like, okay, we're being outed at the public school. Here we go. And so I um, actually prayed with her on several occasions. And I'm happy to report that um, the family member is completely healed of that situation, which is awesome. She had... Um, she had come to the Lord, and she has a relationship with the Lord. I, I think the relationship might be, should be different, but I'm going to let the Lord handle that, okay? So I'm, uh, 
And that is what you need to do. You need to just pray for them and let the Lord handle their walk. And then the last thing that you have to do is be bold and pray. And I was bold to, to just walk up to somebody I didn't know and pray for them, especially in a situation where I thought, you know, I don't know what she is. She could be an atheist. She could hate God. She could, you know, I don't know. But I, I was bold. And it says in 2 Corinthians 3.12, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. And this new way is the Holy Spirit filling you. Back in verse 8, it says the Holy Spirit fills you. So you need to be getting in every day, praying and asking God to fill you up and so that you can be bold. And, you know, I, I heard on the radio a couple weeks, or last week, that the Bible talks about not being afraid 160 times. So we have a lot of fear, <laughs> and God really wants us to not be afraid, okay? 160 times. So it's an obvious problem because he addresses it a lot. And so we need to be praying and asking God so that we can be bold, that we can step out of our comfort zone, that we can ask people if we can pray for them. And we be praying for those opportunities to open up. You know, um, not too long ago, I was in a building, and it was a, a short-term assignment. So I wasn't going to be there for very long. I didn't know any of the staff very well. And, but there was this one person who always seemed pretty, pretty happy, chipper person. And she was in a common area where people were coming and going. And I walked in, and I said, hey, um, how are you doing today? You know, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, I'm not good. My son just tried to commit suicide. And I was like, actually, she said it more graphically than that, and I wasn't sure if he was alive or not. And I just said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And she goes, he's on life support right now, and I don't know if he's going to live or die. And I said, well, then I want to pray for you. And she stood up, and she, she goes, right now? And I said, absolutely. And so I took her hands, and I prayed. And I was praying for her, and I, and I heard somebody and so I kind of opened my eyes, and somebody came in, and they backed out and closed the door. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just, I just prayed with her. And then um, when I got done praying, she said, I, it's just so, I just can't, I can't remember what she said. And I said, well, actually, I, I don't know what you're going through, but I do know a little bit about having a child die. And I shared with her about um, my daughter who was on life support before she died. And, and so, and then she all the more that shared testimony spoke to her heart. And, and so I've been able to talk with her, and, and, I, can, and I can report to you that he is alive. And um, she, he's actually even back home, and, and she's working on her relationship with him. And, and she shared with me a couple of times, and I've been able to pray with her and text her encouragements. And, and it was just an opportunity, but I, I asked God, you know, who, and, and it, a lot of times I go into work and I think, God, I want to pray for that one. And he doesn't say yes. You know, I mean, I can pray for him, you know, privately. But, I mean, to say something, you know, or to walk up to, you know, hey, could I, could I, because it's not time. And, and I think um, I want to, I just, we need to be bold when we need to pray. We also need to see that everybody's journey is different. We're all in a different place in our journey. And, um, so I want to end with this little parable of my own. So um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, beach glass. 
if you've ever seen beach glass, used to be very prevalent here in Michigan. We used to have a lot of it on, on the Lake Michigan shoreline. There was this one place that um, I would go with my grandparents, and we would pick up different colored beach glass. What's interesting about beach glass is that um, it's actually trash. You know, I mean, it's discarded bottles. And the reason it was prevalent in Michigan was because we didn't have a 10-cent deposit. So people, when they were on the beach, they would just throw the glass out into the lake, and it would smash and get broken up. And, and um, it would go through um, the rocks and the waves, and it would get tossed around and tossed around and eventually find its way to shore. And then it would be, you know, it, either this is a little rough around the edges. Um, this one's really smooth. I got these in California. California doesn't have a deposit, but it's not very much, and it's hard to recycle, and so they had beach glass, which I was kind of amazed to find. But really, people are, people are intense about beach glass. Like, it's a big deal to find beach glass. Like, it's, a, it's, it's something people do. Isn't that interesting that this trash has become treasure? And no matter how much I guess at this I don't know where it started, and I don't know what it took to get to this place. I don't know how it got there. And, and that is true of us, you know? It's true of people that you, that you see. I believe that you are part of the process of someone going from broken, discarded, trash to a beautiful polished treasure it may be one word it may be one encouragement it may be one action or one testimony and you might not know until you get to heaven but remember that you have a call to obey you have a call to obey Jesus when he said, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. He's sending you to speak into the lives of those around you. We all have been or felt like discarded trash. And God rescued us and said, no, you're my treasure. So that's our call this week and this season and this year that we are to reach out to those around us with a word or a deed.